Good morning, I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. We begin our interview today with Dr. Alex Jahangir. He is the chair of the Metro Nashville Coronavirus Task Force. You've probably seen him on TV a million times. You feel like you know him. And he's the chair of the Metropolitan Board of Health, as well as an orthopedic surgeon who still is in surgery every day. I practice full-time. At Vanderbilt? At Vanderbilt, that's right. Oh, my gosh. So you've got a lot going on in your life. Let's. Can we start back with the fact that it was kind of out of the blue how you became the chair of the Coronavirus Task Force in Metro Nashville? Yeah. Um, so thank you for having me this morning. Yes, um, welcome. Today. I'm so sorry. No, but you you I, got I, me so cracked up and made me feel so comfortable. I was like, hey, let's go. Well, I, I appreciate this. And, and as, as I mentioned to you before, this is the first time I've ever been in a radio studio. So this is really kind of neat for me. Um, but wait, there's more. We'll show you the studios, the actual studios. Right. This is a production room. <laughs> this is great. So, um, yeah, so I... Um, you know, I think maybe even going back a little before um, COVID, I, I got a call in 2017 out of the blue from, at the time, um, Mayor Barry's um, office. And uh, Mayor Barry had asked, had had wanted to appoint me to the Board of Health. And, and I had, through the internet and other things, had heard about the Board of Health and had seen the really amazing people I served on it. So I, and I didn't know uh, Mayor Barry at all. And so it really took me by surprise. Um, that, that she wanted to appoint me. And I replaced um, Dr. Henry Foster, who was like the past you know, president of, of Meharry. Bill Clinton had nominated him to a, um, to be Surgeon General. I mean, amazing individual. And so I initially thought it was, it was I mean, I knew it wasn't a joke, but in my head, I was like, this, this has got to be a joke. <laughs> Wait, so, do you know who you're talking to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I only picked up the number because it's an 862 number, which is the same prefix as Adventure Science Center, where I, where I was the, um, on the board. So I just assumed the Science Center was calling me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, but with that said, so I, I was appointed to the Board of Health in 2017, and, and I was, um, in my head, I was going to be the most junior person of that board for many years. This is a board that people serve on for decades. I'm very, very um, admired um, public health experts mm-hmm. and me. Um, and so I literally um, served on that board, um, and I and I sat, you know, at the end of it. This is very much a hierarchy the way they set up the table. Um, and I was at the end, and I was happy there. I mean, my plan was for years to sit there and learn from these amazing individuals. Yes. Fast forward um, to 2019, so about a year and a half in chair of the board was stepping down. She's still a member of the board, um, but she wanted to kind of step aside and let someone else to be chair. And I've, um, my, my fellow board members asked, you know, nominated me and, and voted me to serve as chair, which I was happy to do. I was, I was happy to do it for one year. I was happy to do it um, at that point for, with a couple of objectives in mind. First, um, we need to hire a new director. So I had led a couple of executive searches in other parts of my life, and I figured I can do this. Then I was going to kind of help redo the metro charter around public health. That metro charter around public health had been um, the same way since 1963. And public health, as we know it in 2020, is very different than we knew it in 1963. Right. And so we're going to do kind of that um, not glamorous work that some boards have to do. And and that was it. And then the third thing, if I had time in my one year, was I really want to address the issue of violence in our city and youth violence specifically. As in my day job as a trauma surgeon, I see a lot of gun violence, a lot of violence towards youth in in this city. It's a city I grew up in. And so uh, those are my three objectives. I became chair in October of 2019. And in March of uh, March 7th of 2020, the first case of COVID hit Nashville. And and we had, in the department were aware of that this was co- coming, right? I mean, it was happening over the world. We have some amazing people in the health department that are 
that were kind of monitoring it, would brief me and the board. But March 7th, I was having dinner in my house with some friends, and um, Brian Todd, who is sitting in a room with us, if, if, if for those who, who don't know this, but, um, but Brian Todd... Um, and his the, title is, so And they Brian know. is the public information officer for the department, who's been, who's been a great friend and really a mentor even before all this, in all sincerity. Um, but Brian called me um, on a Saturday night at like 7 or 8 o'clock at night, which... In itself was a little unusual, but Brian and I speak and um, occasionally, and I didn't think anything of it. Picked it up, and Brian informed me that um, the first case of COVID had been diagnosed in Nashville, and that um, the next day there's a press conference on March 8th, and um, the Mayor Cooper would like for me as the chair of the board to, to be at this press conference. Um, furthermore, our new director of health, which we had hired, was starting on March 9th, so the, so the Monday... And so, so they wanted me as the formally instilled, I guess, director or leader of, of the health department to be there and to deliver a message of, hey, stay calm. We got this fi- figured out and sounded easy enough, right? And, and so I, um, and this is way long of a story. I apologize. No, this but, is fantastic. We wanted to but, know this. But I, um, so we finished dinner with my family. I took this call in my bedroom. Uh, my family, my wife and our friends um, and their kids were having dinner. And I come out, and my wife obviously sees my face, and I'm sure <laughs> it, was, it was like, like, what's going on? And so our family friends left, and, and I mentioned I have to do this press conference. And I have to highlight, up until then, I really had never really done a press conference. Maybe I've attended one. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, you got thrown in the so, deep end. So um, we wrote some very, um, now in, in hindsight, some very simple remarks um, because, gosh, um, and I practiced in front of the mirror that whole night. And the next day, we did that um, press conference on March 8th, and, and, and things sped up very quickly um, from there, um, leading to, a, to the mayor asking me on um, that Friday, so f- about six days later, or five, six days later, if, if I'd be willing to kind of help lead a greater response that's really went beyond just the work of the public health department, but really the whole of government, um, the whole city, and really um, serve um, him in, in this capacity to help the city that, that I grew up in, and, and here I am. In case you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus, and we're talking with uh, Dr. Alex Jahangir. He is the chair of the Metro Nashville Coronavirus Task Force and the chair of the Metropolitan Board of Health. That's why... <laughs> That's what he was just telling the story of, how he got to be the chair of the Metro Nashville Coronavirus Task Force and how we started seeing you every day on TV, not knowing that that first day was your first day to do a press conference like that. What yeah. did you learn out of that first day? Did you go um, back home and go like, whoo, I killed it? Or no, did you go back no. home and go like, huh? You know, it's interesting. I, um, you know, I, by my day job as an orthopedic trauma surgeon and, and, and before that I was an EMT, you learn really quickly to control your pulse, right? You learn to just, in moments of, of crisis, moments of uncertainty, you, the first thing is always check your own pulse. And I think any, any first responder who's, on, who's listening will probably can relate to that. During the press conference, I remember telling myself over and over again, check my pulse, because my pulse was high. And I remember when it was done, yes, I was like, it's done. But then I realized, you realize really quickly that this wasn't going to be a one and done or one week and done type of thing. We had a second press conference that Friday, so uh, Mayor Cooper um, asked me uh, on that Friday to help help the city, and and um, you know he he made it very clear. I remember that very first meeting; it was the first time I really had had a chance to speak with him, and he and I had never really met. We'd met a little bit just for a few minutes before the first press conference on that Sunday, but that Friday is when we really had an opportunity to sit down 
before the second press conference. And and he was very clear. He's like, listen, I, I want you to be transparent with me, transparent with the city. Let the science drive the facts and, and what we do. As long as we do that, you know, that was his mantra. And I think that, that was that served us well over the past many months. Yeah. But that second press conference was a little bit more intense. And uh, I remember after leaving that one, I looked at Brian. I said, "Oh gosh, we we this is this is this is a whole different thing." And and um, my first ask of the mayor's office and together was, we need to really focus on this. is not only a, a public health response, but there's going to be a messaging response that's really critical here. Yes. And and um, the mayor's office very quickly helped um, bring a really team of professionals to support Brian and and me and. And and this whole 14 months that we've been through, because, again, nobody knew what, what we were getting into. Information was important. People needed to know mm-hmm. um, the facts. And I think, especially those early days, facts mattered, science mattered. That, that's when I realized that early on that this was going to be, again, much more than just pure public health 101. It really was a, a, a messaging mm-hmm. issue as well. The messaging issue, public health 101, meaning what? Meaning, so there's some basic principles in public health when you deal with a, a disease, right? It was like you were reminding us to wash our hands, things like that? Well, yes, that. But but also, I think most people, nobody, very few of us were alive in the 1918 um, Spanish flu, right? When the HIV crisis hit in the early 80s, a lot of us, myself included, don't remember that, right? I was, I was a kid. And so some of the basics of, of public health are... We have to protect ourselves, such as like you said, washing your hands and, and staying at home wasn't really a thing with HIV, but staying at home or here's how diseases spread or here's what we know or here's what we don't know about this and why we know or don't know. And now as we move forward, testing, self-isolation, quarantine, I bet you everyone now understands those terminologies. True. In March, we had no idea what any of that meant. Nope. And now with vaccinations, I mean, gosh, I mean, my my... I have a 10-year-old daughter, and even my 8-year-old could probably tell you an mRNA carrier versus a non-mRNA carrier for vaccines. Now, they may not fully understand MR, what mRNA is specifically, but they understand it's a different carrier for a vaccine than um, the adenovirus carrier or just a virus carrier. And that was part of the messaging early on. How was it facing the media during that, in that Friday press conference you had to start taking a, a, like a lot yeah. of questions. It seems like that was because we were all going like, what's going on? What's happening? So my experience with the media up until then would be very limited, right? I, I Occasionally when an athlete really broke their bone really bad, I'd, I'd do a TV spot about ah. that. But that was it. Like literally, and that was very easy, right? Like how do you fix a bone? I mean, and it was very like... I was I was instructed well how to do that, but that's a very different situation, as you mentioned, than than a, a press conference. Here's what I learned very quickly about um, the media, and, and and now I've done national, international, but really our local media here in Nashville. What a group of professionals they are! I would say, with very very rare exceptions, they they are all. I mean, they're all professionals. I have a very cordial relationship with them, but I also I also know there's a um, there's a mutual respect, right? Like I know they're not gonna take it easy on me, and in return, um, I know that I can't get away with BSing them, frankly. Yeah. And nor nor would I do that. Nor um, would the mayor. I mean, again, mayor's mantra early on was always be transparent, and so so there I have developed a strong um, respect for our our local media people here in the city as well as the national as well but but again I, because of almost daily interactions with a lot of our uh, our people both 
radio, TV, and and print. I mean, we have some amazing professionals here. And so for me, yes, early on, it, it, and even now, I mean, it's, it's sometimes very hard. But again, I think my the way I've tried to approach is always try to be honest. If I don't know something, say I don't know. Um, but also understand that they are doing their their job with, with the idea of trying to make sure that the people of the city have the information they need, mm-hmm. and not necessarily to throw some kind of spin on it or some... And of course, there's some of that, right? And, yes. and I've gotten to a point where I've... We'll call that out when I see it. Good. Um, which is which is kind of liberating, but it's also I don't know. I mean, that's that's when Brian here has to keep me in check sometimes. I know. In um, the email he sent when we were confirming your interview with me, he was like, "Let's just make sure we're just everything is going to be open and honest, and you can just ask him open and honest questions, and he's going to answer you that way. That I don't have to try and fish for something. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that because that's not how I. I work anyway, but you didn't know that. So I appreciate him making sure that, that that's how sure. we went. And But it was stressful, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I have, yeah. I have, um, you know, I- wish I, you could have seen his face as he went, yeah. My, my day job, one would think, is pretty stressful. And I guess it's, it can be. Um, and my day job, for just to clarify for people, I do orthopedic trauma surgery specifically. So most of my patients, I don't meet until like right before surgery, they get in a bad car wreck, they get mm. shot, they fall- Legs are, you know, dangling off sometimes. I mean, not to be melodramatic, but it really can, it is stressful, right? Yeah. But again, just like anything, you get used to that. This is a completely different stress because, again, I, I think part of it is you want to make sure that people that people have that confidence in you, but you also want to feel like you've you've earned it. So you got to always be on top of your game, know the information, and then there's a lot of unknown, right? In March of 2020, there was a lot of unknown about how this thing was going to play out, and it still is playing out, right? We're not we're not mission accomplished yet. We're much closer than we ever have been. Which we'll address here in just a few more minutes. We're going to kind of talk about more of where we are and what's to come and what we think is to come. Yeah, we know about. Um, but but it, is, it was um, very stressful. Um, you didn't but, know what was about to be thrown at you. No, you didn't but, know. no and, I, and I think what the the stress was, you know, there's there several layers of the stress, right? And, <laughs> and, and this probably holds true for everyone's, right? So I think what I share maybe everyone could probably relate to this in some way. So there was the the public perception, pers- the, the public responsibility stress of, of, of doing something I've never had done before with uh, people who are so good at what they've done who've done it before, right? So whether it's obviously the Mayor Cooper in his office, you know, they just dealt with the tornado. Um, a lot of them had previous government experience. Chief Swan and National Fire and the Office of Emergency Management, my gosh, those men and women, oh my gosh. I mean, the, the response that they have done um, has been has been unbelievable. Setting up assessment centers, setting up home, home um, places for our, our unhoused populations. Again, dealing right after a tornado, doing all that. Metro police, um, the whole of government. I mean, water, power. Um, you look at the health systems. I, I think um, again, I work for a health system. I'm very proud of at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. But all of our health systems, from Ascension to TriStar. Um, to National General and, of course, Meharry Medical College and that relationship that Meharry Medical College has provided to the city and Dr. Hildreth and his team, to me personally. All those people came together really quickly, and, and all those people really knew what they were doing. And I'm sitting here as an <laughs> orthopedic trauma guy. You don't want to fail your city, right? This city, I immigrated to this city when I was six years old. This city is giving me so much. And, yeah. and I graduated from MLK Magnet School and gosh, what a what a great experience! And so, yes, you don't want to fail. Nobody wants to fail. But I definitely want to fail in the public. This is my first time in the public eye. 
definitely didn't want to fail. So there's that stress. Then there is the the more personal stress of of um, for all of us, right? In my family, I have three young kids. My wife, you know, I, my parents are both living. My grandmother, who's ninety, is still living. So then there's this personal stress of what's going to happen to them and to us, both from a will they get sick, heaven forbid, if they get sick, will they die? Um, I most people locked stayed at home. I was probably more out than than ever before. Um, meeting people, talking to people, go- going in and out of rooms. I didn't have an end. I was still practicing, right? So I operate on patients who had COVID. I, you know, because people had COVID, got in car wrecks still, right? Right. Um, I operated, I um, dealt with other healthcare workers who have exposure. So there's that personal stress too of, of would I get my family sick? Personal stress of what is this doing to my kids? Um, personal stress of what is this doing to my marriage, and I'm very blessed to have an amazing marriage um, and great kids, great supporting family. Um, so there's all those stresses that everyone went through, and and just the uncertainty of what's what's the, I hate the terminology new normal, but what is that new normal? Mm-hmm. And so we all went through those stresses. I'm no unique to anyone else. Did you ever get to a point because you kept doing as you call it your day job as an orthopedic surgeon at Vanderbilt? but also heading the Metro Nashville Coronavirus Task Force and the chair of the Metropolitan Board of Health. Did you get to a point where you just, you couldn't go anymore? That had to be exhausting. It had to be grueling. I saw you everywhere, not only on local media. I saw you everywhere. I saw you on national news, everywhere. Sure, it's tiring. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I mean, you can't be superhuman. Well, it's, I'm not. But listen, in life, sometimes you got to get uncomfortable for the greater good. No, I don't think anyone hopefully will ever hear me say I'm I'm tired or, oh, woe is me. I'm so fortunate to both. You know what I had in this whole year is I had, um, and I recognize this, I had financial security. I had a job that I could continue um, because I'm, I'm just really fortunate. I had great colleagues at work that allowed me to, to do what I did, and if I needed help, they, they would help me. I never, I've never been like, oh, woe is me. I need, I'm done with this. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all, in all sincerity has never even been a thought. You might be like, okay, I'm worn out, but. Yeah, suck it up. I mean, I literally suck it up. I mean, I tell, and you ask my kids, they'll tell you, I say that to them. It's fundamentally my philosophy. I mean, listen, there's people who are so much worse off than me um, and my family, and, and I get that. And, and so there's no woe is me here. So do you say suck it up, Alex? I really do. <laughs> And sometimes I look at my kids, and my kids will tell it to me, too. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's look at, we're talking, if you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus, and we're talking with Dr. Alex Jahangir. He's the chair of the Metro Nashville Coronavirus Task Force. So we want to look at where we are now with uh, COVID-19, with coronavirus, vaccines, and all of that. Yeah, so what a journey we've been on, right? I I have to start by saying um, over 900 Nashvilleans have died. Like Nashville and all the numbers in reference to 700,000 people, roughly, right? So 690,000, 700,000 Nashvilleans. 900 people have died. 903 today specifically, and this probably will air in, in a few days from now, so a number will be higher. Yeah. Total number of cases is over 98,000. 98,000 Nashvilleans, almost one in seven Nashvilleans have had coronavirus. Wow. Many have been hospitalized, right? Many have long-term sequelae. From it. What is it called? Sequelae, long-term like symptoms or long-term um, fatigue or all the stuff that COVID gives to some people. So, so just because you've had disease and you're recovered doesn't mean you're back to where you were 100%. Okay. So there's, there are 98,000 people that could have those long-term issues. But 
over 280,000 Nashvillians have received their first vaccine. So that's 40.5% of our city today Excellent. has received one vaccine. And, and that's of all Nashvillians. And 20% of our city, 16 and under, aren't even eligible yet. So if you take out that, that's over half the eligible adults in our city have received a vaccine. Equally as important for me is those over 55. So 91% of our deaths in this city, so those 900, 91% of them people over age of 55, of that group, 65% have had their first vaccine. Good. Which is great. And that's why you're seeing a decreasing or slowing down our mortality. But what was equally important to, to all of us was that we, as the vaccine rolled out, we did it in an equitable manner and access. So if you look at those over 55, 56% of, of whites over 55 have been vaccinated, which is good. We, we would like to try to get the number higher. But 50% of African-Americans over 55 in our city have been vaccinated, and 62% of people of Hispanic ethnicity in our city have been vaccinated. I am proud of our city and proud of Nashville mm-hmm. for really doing the hard things to make sure we get the vaccine out in a in a equitable fashion and to as many people possible. And our average of 40.5% right now is eight to nine percentage points higher than the rest of the state. So we're doing a great as a city that's why we are now, as of May 14th, lifting our restrictions for capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want the city to open up. We want to, we want people to do it safely. Um, the best way to do it safely is to is to get vaccinated. It was very important for for me. I know for the mayor, for Dr. Gil Wright, uh, director of health, that. Every person had the opportunity to get a vaccine, especially as we open up our city in a city, such a big tourism city, our bartenders, our musicians, our hosted and hostesses, mm-hmm. all those people need to have access to get a vaccine because they are going to be around people coming in from everywhere, right? And so yeah. I can tell you about 40-something percent here or 60 percent here, but I don't know who's coming to Nashville. And so we want to make sure all Nashvillians are taken care of um, by having the ability to get the vaccine. And so get, get your vaccine. If you haven't yet, this is the time to do it because- we're opening up for business, and um, we're gonna we're gonna do really well in this city um, from that standpoint. So, if we get our vaccine, and those of us who are supposed to get two, I'm getting my second one soon. Those of us who are supposed to get two after the second one, then everything's okay. So, within um, two weeks after your second one, Pfizer and Moderna trials have shown you have about 95 percent likelihood of not getting not getting sick. Um, two weeks. Give Within it two, two weeks. weeks after your second shot. Okay. Um, after your first shot, though, you may have anywhere from fifty to eighty percent immunity. Oh, and so, good. and the CDC says if you're if if everyone's vaccinated in a room and there's one person that's not, it's okay to be without mask. If you're in a room with a bunch of people vaccinated, it's okay to be without a mask. It's okay to be outside without a mask now, mm-hmm. right? Um, but here's here's what the real world trials have shown. So when the study came out a few weeks ago, sixty six million people in America have been fully vaccinated. Out of that 66 million people, 5,600 tested positive for COVID. So think about that. That's 0.008% of people who got fully vaccinated ended up getting the disease. And of those people that got the disease, it it didn't put them in the hospital. It didn't, um, definitely didn't kill them. Um, So vaccines work really well. We're also still have, um, in the national, we're still keeping our uh, mask mandate for indoors because what has not been fully deciphered yet is can a fully vaccinated person be a carrier of the disease? They may be asymptomatic and pass it on to someone who has been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's, that stuff is still being figured out because, again, think about it, this vaccines. The first shots were made in January, right? We're still figuring this out. Being a little cautious still is good, but 
I tell you what, when you're fully vaccinated, it is a weight off your shoulders, a weight off my shoulders. When I became fully vaccinated, when my parents and my grandmother became fully vaccinated, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that stress I was telling you about earlier, that lifted. Then eventually my wife and um, you know my brother and, and his family, it is really, it is a huge relief to, to know that at least for my immediate bubble, the probability of something really bad happening because of coronavirus is almost zero. Do you feel that the coronavirus vaccine will be like a flu vaccine that we'll have to get it annually? Do you know that yet? We don't know that yet. Um, I actually heard Dr. Um, Fauci yesterday on something, and and what we know is you don't need it after six months, right? Because if everyone's gotten the vaccine after six months, what what the studies out they're looking at is figuring out how much level of antibodies one has, what is the level that antibodies, once it drops below, your risk of getting infected or higher. There's lots of studies going on right now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes an annual or every other year shot, and I'm okay with that. I get my flu shot every year. Everyone should get their flu shot every year, by the way. And and so I, if it becomes that, then it just becomes one of those other things, right? right? You get flu shot. You get your pneumonia shot if you're older. Maybe it becomes like the shingles where you get around every so often. I Nobody knows. Yeah. Um, but but stay tuned, I think. <laughs> Is there anything else that you find is important to add that you want to make sure that people know about before we wrap this up? Uh, we've we've been through so much as a city, and the whole point of public health is to protect the public until there's a very safe, easily accessible, effective intervention. We have that intervention now with vaccines. Vaccines are, are have been proven to be safe. They've been proven to work almost across the whole spectrum, and there's a lot of them available. Whether you come to the Music City Center or you go to our drive-through site at Kmart um, in Antioch, which gives both the Pfizer, the two-dose Pfizer, and the single-shot J&J. Go to vaccinefinder.org, which literally will show you all the vaccinations available in, in the state, not just Nashville, and not just government sites of so CVSs, um, pharmacies, grocery stores, et cetera. Vaccinefinder.org, amazing. And you can even choose what kind of, let's say you really have your heart set on getting a Moderna shot for whatever reason. I'd, all the shots work well. Then you can pick Moderna, in this city, on this day, and it'll tell you what the availability is, or J&J. The Johnson Johnson vaccine, by the way, I want to highlight, is back out. It's still been shown to be very effective. It's a single shot. Um, the r- risk profile is still very low. I mean, yes, we we had a few incidents of blood clots that made the, go- the government worried. But look at this. We had seven out of seven million shots given had an issue, and the federal government's regulatory process kicked in and said, something's wrong, let's stop. Think about that sensitivity. And think about the fact that millions of Pfizer and Moderna have been given, and that flag has not been raised. Or now the Johnson & Johnson, they've, they paused, evaluated for 10 days, and they made sure to realize, hey, this, this extremely, extremely less than one in a million risk but that blood clot, this is how you treat it, and this is how you identify it. The regulatory process is working. Patient safety is top of mind for, for all these companies and the, and the federal government, the state government. Don't, be, don't believe, understand why, if you don't want to get a vaccine, really evaluate why you don't want to get a vaccine. Because if you want to really get on with your life, you, you, you want you know, just to be done with all this, which I know I do, this is, this is the way to do it. I know some people have reportedly been saying they're not going to get their second vaccine. We want to encourage you to go ahead and get that second one and just make sure that you have as much immunity as you can. These 95 and 99% effective rates I, I quoted earlier are all based off of two vaccines. Yeah. Although some people do, you shouldn't just stop your antibiotics because you, you don't have a runny nose anymore because, as you know, that'll cause the super bugs and so forth. Same thing with vaccines. You don't just stop it because you're like, 
my friend on the internet said I should stop it. There, there's science. There's, there's a process that has shown that two vaccines are the way to get over this. So just be smart. I mean, I, I just, I've, I've met some amazing people, and people are, are, there are a lot of good people who are really smart. There are a lot of good people that, that if given the right information, and they can process their information for themselves and make the right decision for themselves. And that's my big ask is make sure you get the right information from valid sources and make an informed decision, whatever you decide. I mean, I'm, I'm very much a pro-choice type of person of, of, you know, choose what is best for you and your family, but make that decision based on real facts and not some spin that some random person somewhere else is, is throwing on, on mainly social media. Okay, good. Uh, what was Vaccine Finder? Vaccinefinder.org. Okay, we're going to go there. We're going to put that link on our Focus Facebook page. Uh, any final thoughts? Any hopeful thoughts you want to leave with us, yeah, Doctor? Yeah, listen, I, I can't overemphasize how amazing this past um, 14 months or so have been. Yes, we've had some hard times, but man, has this city stepped up. This yes. Nashville Strong mantra that you hear about every so often, I've, I've experienced it firsthand. People of Nashville are amazing. People of, of Middle Tennessee are amazing. And we all want to have our city um, and region just shine nationally. We've do- demonstrated we can do it economically. We've demonstrated we can do it now in a public health response. And we're going to come back strong. And, and I'm so grateful to everyone for their, their kindness, their support, and their strength throughout this whole um, past many months. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Alex Jahangir, the chair of Metro Nashville Coronavirus Task Force and the chair of Metropolitan Board of Health and an orthopedic surgeon at Vanderbilt and the chair of probably 10 other things that I've neglected to mention. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie and that's Focus.